0: Production. Hi, I'm Veronica Milsom and this is Full Blown Adult, the podcast that helps you find credible information from qualified experts for when it's time to become an adult. Tell you where I feel like an adult, at the dentist. There's something about spending a couple of hundred bucks for someone to poke around your gums with a drill that feels incredibly grown up. Even though they treat you like children mostly, they put a bib on you, let you play dress-ups in their 90s speed dealers, and then think you'll feel validated when they say you have nice teeth. Yeah, whatever, tooth dad. I don't floss my teeth daily just so I can come to the dentist every six months and get your approval. That is not why I do it. In this episode, you'll hear from an expert all about investing money.
1: The sad thing is the investment world, it's sort of become all razzmatazz and it's intentionally made scary, I think, by the media. But if you just flip it right back, it's pretty, pretty simple.
0: When I was in my 20s, the biggest investment I ever made was into a $400 dress I wore to the Brownlow. I tried to get it for free by telling the woman at the counter I would be wearing it at a televised event, but she didn't care. So I had to shame-purchase it by spending all my hard-earned hospitality dollars on a red ruffled taffeta number I'd never wear again. That's true, by the way. Check my Instagram. I post it every year the Brownlow medals rolls around just to get my money's worth. I didn't go with a footballer, by the way. I got invited because I worked for a company that did work for the AFL. The closest I ever got to any players on the night was when Brendan Favola spat his fake teeth into a glass next to me at the bar. Apparently, it's his best trick. Which I thought was unimpressive until I realised I didn't have a better one. Aww. In this episode, you'll find out about investments. Hopefully ones that are better than a bad dress. If you're looking to invest for the first time, you'll find out what you need to be made aware of. And before we start, just to be clear, what you'll hear isn't specific financial advice. Everyone's financial situation is different, and so you should speak to a financial advisor to find out if anything discussed in this podcast is right for you. full here to fill you in is full-blown adult, expert in the field, Mark Copsey from Oldworth's Chartered Accountants. Mark, I see you are a dapper, nicely dressed man. I assume you have invested wisely.
1: Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That's my profession.
0: Well, Do you invest a lot? Like,
1: it... uh, I've really stepped it up the last few years. Huh. But look, given my age, uh, I'm in a position now, the kids are a bit older and... The mortgage is uh, a lot less than what it used to be. Okay. So I've now got a cash to invest, yeah.
0: Right, once you've already invested in your property and now, yeah, yeah great. So why should people invest? Save, hypothetically, I have heaps of money. Why should I invest?
1: Simply because the return you're going to get on cash is pretty ordinary at the moment. You know, if you can get half a percent, you're probably pretty lucky, whereas the stock market, on average, over 10 years, 10% per year. Look, it's just the, just the best way to grow your wealth.
0: Okay, so what are some success stories of people who have got it right?
1: Well, look, uh, I'm a wealth manager, so I'm lucky enough to deal with a lot of uh, high-wealth individuals.
0: Hang on, what's a wealth manager?
1: Somebody who manages other people's money. All right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> how many people, like, how much money are you managing right now?
1: In total for my all my clients, uh, around about $100 million.
0: Oh, that is so much pressure.
1: Uh, no, because if, if look, The key to investing, I think, is just being sensible. You would have heard recently people, you know, jumping into the stock market during the COVID lockdown. Uh, Meme stocks, you maybe heard that expression. And people making Mm -hmm. these uh, thousands of percent returns. But they're very, very one-off. But, you know, if you're sensible with your money uh, and you're patient, which a lot of people aren't, unfortunately, over a long period of time, you know, over 10 years, potentially you're going to double your money.
0: 10 years, you say? Yeah. Double your money. Okay. And that's investing in shares or in the stock market? Or? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. So tell me about some success stories. You reckon they're people who mostly wait a long amount of time?
1: Looking at some of my clients, um, you know, clients that, you know, they'll be in their, you know, 70s or 80s and they invested early on and, you know, they just bought a good basket of quality stocks and just left them there, received the dividends, and over time their capital growth, you know, they're worth millions.
0: Oof, okay. And then they've just got to work out how to spend that as a 70- to (laughs)
1: 80-year-old. They're they're quite capable of doing that, I promise you. all right.
0: So um, how safe is it to invest, though, as opposed to, like, I have a whole bunch of cash, why don't I just put it into my savings account?
1: Look, putting it in the bank, very safe, very ordinary returns. So, you know, like you say, if inflation, you know, the cost of things are going up every year and you're only earning 0.4% interest, your savings aren't keeping up with inflation, so the value of your investments is actually going backwards. When you invest in stocks, and look, stocks will go down, but if you buy the right stocks, or we use what's called exchange-traded funds, ETFs, over the long period, you're probably going to do pretty well.
0: And so the idea would be then that you involve someone like you?
1: You don't have to. Look, for, for a new investor, you should probably just set up a simple brokerage account then, you know, invest in maybe two ETFs. And if you can, just keep adding to that each month. And over a period of time, it'd be surprising how quickly it'll grow.
0: What is an ETF? What does it stand for?
1: It stands for Exchange Traded Fund. So when they first came out, you know, on the stock market, there's, you know, hundreds of companies listed. Yeah. For you to go and buy all of those companies individually, take a long time and require a lot of money. So what an ETF does, it bundles everyone's funds together, and then it then goes and buys all the stocks on that exchange in the same weighting that they are listed on the stock exchange. So at the top, you've got things like BHP and Commonwealth Bank and those type of things. Mm-hmm. So with one trade, you can buy the entire market.
0: Okay, how much money do I need to get a basket of stocks?
1: Oh, you can start with $200. Oh. Um, the brokerage would probably be around, you know, 7 to $10. Okay. And then just start from there.
0: So should I start now or am I better off waiting until I have way more than $200?
1: It depends on your circumstances. I mean, if you have a mortgage, maybe paying down the mortgage is a good idea. Okay. Do you have surplus cash to start with? I mean, you've still got to live. Yeah. So really investing comes when you have got that surplus cash. You can lock it away. You know, If you're going to invest in stocks or ETFs, you're looking at a 7- to 10-year horizon. Because the market will fluctuate. I mean, we're going through a boom time now. But if you go back to February 20, when the um, pandemic started, the stock market fell by 30% in a matter of days. Now, if you need your money at that time, you know, your your investments have been uh, decimated and it could take a long time to recover but generally over seven years, you can afford to go through those uh, peaks and troughs.
0: Okay. Yeah. What should and shouldn't I invest in as far as like shares or crypto or property?
1: Look, I invest in shares and ETFs. I did make my first crypto investments in April.
0: Oh, okay. How's it going?
1: Uh, As of today, very good. I'm up 67%. I bought a combination of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Oh, They're the two big ones, aren't they? They're the two big ones, yeah. This is sound really boring, but I spent an entire weekend, a long weekend, it was pouring down with rain, and just educated myself on crypto, blockchain, and made what I think was an informed decision. But, you know, in that uh, period since April, I've been down 30% as well. Okay. So, you know, it's pretty volatile.
0: Are you going to pull out now? Like if you did, how much would you?
1: No, I'll keep it and see what happens.
0: Okay, so on that weekend away, what are you doing to educate yourself? Where do you look on the internet? or
1: Yeah, the internet's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I just went onto YouTube and Googled blockchain, cryptocurrency, and basically watched as many uh, YouTube videos that I could. I mean, there was a guy there, um, he'd actually recorded his MBA lecture on crypto. It's very dry stuff. Mm. But I was interested in it. And before I invested, I wanted to understand, you know, what it was I was investing in. You know, you just type in um, guide to crypto or guide to Bitcoin. And there's some pretty uh, simple videos to sort of get your head around what it is you're investing in. Mm -hmm. With crypto, I think what you need to do is understand what the technology is and and its potential, as opposed to is it going to be a huge investment, Because once you understand what the technology is and the applications, for example, with Ethereum, I think Ethereum has got a good future ahead of it. Bitcoin, I'm a bit on the fence with Bitcoin. It could either be huge or it could just come crashing down to to nothing.
0: Why do you think that about Ethereum?
1: It's not so much a currency, it's the applications, it's technology that you sign contracts with. It's unbreakable. So if you and I have a contract between each other uh, and we sign it on a piece of paper and you the piece of paper gets lost, the contract exists, you know, when it's done on blockchain technology, there's a permanent record of it there and it can't be disputed, you know, in certain countries that could be quite huge. Okay, And you know, a lot of people are now using the Ethereum platform. Personally, I think that's going to, uh, you know, that'll just grow and grow Bitcoin, you know, some countries are now starting to use it as a currency. Mm. And if that gains more traction, then yes, you know, it could be huge. But as I say, there's hundreds and hundreds of other crypto coins out there. And what if one of them has better technology, it's easy to use, and Bitcoin, maybe it will come out on top. Mm. So that's why I'm a little bit on the fence with Bitcoin.
0: So there are a bunch of terms that I've heard sort of bandied around. One of them you've already said, ETFs. But can I throw a couple more at you and you can sort of say what they are and if I should invest in them? Sure. NFTs. All
1: right, Non-fungible tokens. I actually wrote about this quite recently, if you uh, wanted to go to my LinkedIn Good page,
0: yeah.
1: uh, there was a guy, I think his name was B. Paul. Each day he writes a little caricature and he posts it out there. And then he, at one point he put thousands, I think it was, of the caricatures together and it was sold at auction for, I can't remember what it was now, millions of dollars. So it's a piece of art that you can't hang on your wall. You own the I guess, the rights to it. And behind there, there's like a digital token that proves that you are the original owner of that piece of work. Mm -hmm. And he's just got it on his computer, but you can go to the internet and download a copy of it for yourself for free.
0: Which wouldn't be worth that much because it's not the original. It wouldn't
1: be. No, that's right. Um, So, you know, people are doing NFTs. Are they a worthy investment? Uh, It's too early to tell, to be honest with you. Yeah, surely
0: this is a fad.
1: Potentially, yeah. But look, you know, the world is going digital. I, I've got young kids and they play on um, Fortnite and Roblox. And, you know, those companies make their money from selling, you know, you buy costumes
0: yeah, online. weapons and whatever. Weapons mm. and things
1: like that. So maybe NFTs will, will be a long-term thing. I don't know.
0: So do you let them spend money, your kids? I he don't. Decide. The mum does. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Blame it on her. <laughs> what about property? Should I be investing in that?
1: Look, I, I'm i not an expert in property. I mean, people say that, you know, the Sydney house market is ridiculously expensive. There's got to be a reason for that. But well, that, I, I think
0: it's like right across the nation, isn't
1: it? Yeah. And I even mean,
0: worse in New Zealand.
1: I came to Australia in 95 and I can't remember how I was, was earning, maybe $30,000, I think, at the time. An apartment in Bondi was 120 grand. And I thought, my God, there's no way I can ever afford that. Well, Yeah. Should have bought three.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So what are your thoughts on crypto?
1: Look, only if you can afford to lose it. Super high risk. It's such a new technology. I don't fully understand why the thousands of these different cryptocurrencies. I try to take educated risks, but it's only what I can afford to lose.
0: So what were your early mistakes when you were starting to invest?
1: Trying to stock pick. In a nutshell, I, you know, subscribe to... The different research houses they had their recommendations. I followed them. I just wasn't getting anywhere. you know every stock I chose seemed to go the wrong way.
0: you don't tell your clients that now
1: <laughs> uh no this this was before we started in the wealth management this this was my own my own personal investment yeah and then uh I had a, a change I read a, an excellent book and it just changed my whole attitude. The next day I went in, sold all my shares and bought etFs and uh haven't looked back since.
0: Huh, what is this excellent
1: book? It's a little bit heavy for probably a new investor. It's mm-hmm. called A Random Walk Down Wall Street. There's a book called Unshakable. It's by Tony Robbins and somebody else. It's from an American point of view, but a lot of what's in there is very easy to read. You can read it over a weekend and they talk about investing in ETFs. That's quite an easy read.
0: Okay, so apart from like reading Tony Robbins over a weekend, how much effort would I be putting into learning about it on my own?
1: If you just want to be a passive investor, and that means buying ETFs, probably not a lot. Choose some of the larger ones like Vanguard, uh, iShares, BetaShares, buy a broad index. So basically buying the entire Australian share market or the entire US market and just build your portfolio up that way and just be consistent. That's the key. It's being consistent. The best time to buy is when the market goes down because you're going to get companies cheap. The reason why we started our wealth management business was after the uh, GFC, and clients were just selling out of their shares. They panicked, and it was the worst possible thing they could do because they've lost that money forever. Yeah. Uh, Whereas, you know, if somebody had been holding their hands at the time and just said, look, hang in there, it's bad, but it will get better. And if if they've done that, I mean, look, since the GFC, the market... It's just gone flying through the roof.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, because it couldn't get worse at that point. So, Correct, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. But the same, same. you know, February 20, like I say, the market went down 30%. If you were smart, and we did have some clients that did it, they had a lot of cash, uh, and they bought in when the market was down 30%, and, you know, they're laughing.
0: But why would they jump ship if you'd know that that was the lowest point? Is it because you think that banks are going to all go down and no one's going to be able to it's, take their money out?
1: It's human psychology. You know, when things things are bad, your immediate thing is get out. Yeah. And it's it's the worst thing you can do to invest in. And, and it's tough. You know, you gotta you got to have a bit of mental resolve. And that, I think that's mainly why people pay me because I'm the person that holds the hand and say, look, okay, it's bad, but it will get better. Uh, yeah, that's the best advice I can give. Buy, you know, if there's a crash, if you've got cash, buy, but don't sell.
0: Is it important to know which industries you're investing in? Like whether you should go, you know, tech startups or Silicon Valley like head that way or should you know which industry you're investing in?
1: What I'm suggesting to the new investor is go the passive route. And what that means is you're, you're buying thousands of different companies in all the different sectors. So you don't need to worry about is the tech sector going to go through the roof? You know, is mining going to go through the roof? Then you've got the more direct investor who's actually choosing the individual stocks. And that does require a lot of work. And you've got to put time into it. It's It's like a full-time job, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, look, if you've heard of Warren Buffett, he's the most famous investor in the world. All he does for hours and hours every day is read about stocks and makes an assessment whether to buy or not. Uh, You and I don't have time to do that.
0: Wouldn't he be fun to sit at a dinner party with, in your opinion?
1: I've seen interviews with him. He's quite a charming guy. He seems pretty serious.
0: Yeah, sure. uh,
1: Yeah, I'd like to meet him.
0: I have a friend who... Just as COVID hit, he was like, Oh, I'm gonna quickly invest in a whole bunch of um like hygiene related companies and hand sanitizer companies and yep. stuff. Is that something you'd recommend? Like watching patterns and what's going on in the yeah, news. Yeah, I mean,
1: look, if you're if if you got the time in that way inclined, I mean, look, I wish I'd bought a Zoom. Yeah. You know, when the pandemic was uh, was happening, I own them now, but it's probably too late. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, being able to sort of look at what's happening in the world and going, okay, that may have effect on you know, toilet paper and hand sanitizers and things like that. Yeah, and you, you get them at the right time, yeah. but remember, there's lots of other people doing that at the same time. So exactly, you got to you got to be quick.
0: Sure. What apps would you recommend that people use, or would you at all like apps that help you along the way? Raise, you know, ones like that.
1: Look the Possibly a good starting point. I don't think you're going to get terribly rich from them. You know, Rays, from what I can gather, have this facility when you buy something, it rounds it up to the nearest dollar and puts that into your investments. They've got a a monthly fee. And the fee's quite expensive if you've got a really small amount to invest. So with, with those apps, just check the fees out. Because if you're buying something, all right, it might cost you $7 to buy an ETF but you're never going to sell it. So it's a one-off $7 cost, whereas these other apps have monthly fees.
0: But is there an age limit? Like could a 12-year-old start investing?
1: We have clients that have set up share portfolios for their kids and it's you know it's in then in the parent's name.
0: Have you invested for your kids?
1: Uh, yes. So again, this comes down to being consistent and being it for, for the long haul. I have a, uh, well, I've got two kids, uh, 12 and 10. Just after the twelve-year-old was born, I set up a, a bank account for him, and at the time, the account was paying ten percent interest. So I just consistently put in—I think it was two hundred or two hundred fifty dollars a month—and the interest just built up on that. And you know, after a few years, it was sort of fifteen grand in there. Wow!
0: That's and so then good.
1: I flicked it over into a share trading account and kept that regular investments going. And just you know, every time there was five hundred dollars spare cash, I just bought a new ETF. It's a pretty aggressive portfolio because they're only young and, you know, it's going to be a long time before they get their hands on it. Yeah. Um, oh, is
0: it? When, are you, when do they get to get their hands on it?
1: I haven't decided yet.
0: Oh, <laughs> you've got the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. Not when they're 18, uh,
1: though. Uh, probably not, no. The 12-year-old was asking me about it the other day and I'd sort of take my eye off it and I said, oh, yeah, it's maybe worth $30,000. And I went and had a look at it. It was worth 60000 Oh, how good. Uh, so, yeah, the, the the two of them got $30,000 each. So, But it's just… Being consistent over a period of time and not worrying when the share market crashed. Just keep on investing every month.
0: Yeah, and forget about it and then just look back and go, oh, it's still there. Oh, gosh, it's gone up. Yay. And it's been
1: a good way to, because he was interested, it's been a good way to start educating him on finance. So he doesn't understand the mechanics, but I can say, look, you've got a part ownership in Apple and Google and Facebook and Roblox and all the things that he you know, he sort of understands. So you're know, trying to explain that you know these investments you own a little bit of that.
0: And he's like, meh, all good, but I'd like a weapon on Fortnite." So Some, Yeah,
1: yeah, I think he's already working out how to spend spend his money.
0: Yeah. So I've heard of cheap trades or free trades. But how does this compare to an expensive broker, for example?
1: There's nothing for free. Okay. There's there's always a catch. Uh, it's a little bit technical how they do the free trades, but essentially what's happening is when you put your order in, your order has being sold to somebody else, and they maybe, for example, say uh, a share is 15 dollars, you'll end up paying, say, 15 dollars and one cent, and that one cent is like a, a little clip. OK. Uh, and that's how they make their money. Now, one cent doesn't sound much, no. but not, but if you do it millions and millions of times, yeah. that's how they make the money. so nothing's for free.
0: Right. So what about hidden costs, though? What other ones can you expect to find?
1: If you're buying shares in ETFs directly on the stock exchange through, through an online broker, the only cost is the brokerage fee. So it's generally a one-off fee. There, there are no other hidden costs. The other type of investments, they're, they're becoming less popular, I guess, are managed funds. The people that are running the managed fund will charge you a percentage of how much money you've got with them. But sometimes they have what's called a performance fee. So if the value of your fund goes up, they'll take potentially up to 20% of that what? gain.
0: That's yeah. a rot. Mm. I mean, I guess it depends how much it goes up. But still, that does feel like a lot. Uh,
1: look, if they perform really well, fair enough. But what if your performance goes down, they don't refund the performance fee to you. So. Yeah.
0: so what happens when you want to get your money out? How does that happen?
1: Well, with shares, you just like you bought the shares, you just go into your platform and... Put a sell order in, and then two or three days later the money's back in your account. Okay. Very it's very easy.
0: Right. So yeah. I shouldn't be scared about not ever being able to see it again. No. And so are sometimes more difficult to sell than others?
1: Good question. If it's a large company, for example, Commonwealth Bank, it probably really doesn't matter what the what's happening in the market. But if it's a, you know, if it's more speculative sort of stock that doesn't have a lot of what's called trading volume, there's not a lot of people buying and selling them at the at the time. When the market goes crashing down, it could be uh, difficult to sell those uh, shares. But you shouldn't be buying those type of things in the first place. Okay. With the large company stocks and with the large ETFs, it's not going to be a problem. It's really only if you get into those smaller, you know, for for example, mining stocks that don't trade very often. You know, this the stocks on the on the stock exchange that don't trade in a day. You know, they might not trade for several days.
0: So if I'm wanting to make my first investment now. I have $400. What's the process that I go through?
1: Okay, so you find a cheap broker uh, online. You set up an account. It'll link to your bank account generally. You deposit the funds and then you go on and buy and each share has a a code. Mm -hmm. And you put that code in, say, I want to buy $400 worth. Press buy.
0: It's the sort of thing that you could really gamify. I, I guess that would be an appeal to some people. Does it feel like that to you?
1: Well, you know, it's probably in a, in America more so, yeah. And maybe some of these uh, these apps that you were talking about make it feel a bit like that, yeah. But Dangerous. investing, look, I can't emphasize more: it's long term. You might get lucky; you might choose that stock that goes rocketing up, but it's very rare. I mean, it's in the media all the time. But you know, if you bought Afterpay when it first came out, you'd be pretty happy, yeah. But uh, those stories are. are Quite rare.
0: Okay. It's like when people say you should invest some more money in your super, like top it up more than you do, and then you think, boring. <laughs> I've said yeah. that for ages.
1: Well, on the subject of super, one of the things I was going to say is that uh, anybody who has a job is actually investing. It's called superannuation. Uh, one of the really frustrating things I find, and, you know, even with our staff, they don't look at their super fund. They mm, go, well, oh, look, it's, it's, it's 40 years away. Don't need to worry about it what I urge everyone to do is have a look at their recent Superfund statements, have a look at the past performance over the past five years. And if it's not sort of at least 9 or 10%, look at switching. Hmm. Because over that period of time, that extra 3 4%, it will make a massive difference to your retirement. But uh, young people just ignore it. Yeah. And it's so important.
0: Is that something you can outsource? Do you do things like that as a wealth manager?
1: We can do, yes. Yeah, it's pretty easy though. You set up a new super fund and, and now it's, it's it's brilliant. I did one a few months ago for somebody and you put your tax file number in it, it automatically knows who your super is invested with already and you just press a button and say, I want to transfer it into this new one. And, you know, I think within five minutes, we'd set the account up and roll his old balance into it.
0: So who do I speak to to get further advice?
1: I'll be frank with you. And this is one of the problems in the industry. It's not cheap. You know, the financial planning industry is very regulated. So we have to have an interview with you, get your information, and then we have to provide you with what's called a statement of advice. And it's you know a very long-winded 30, 40-page document, which quite frankly, nobody really understands. And there's a cost to that. And that cost, you know, it's quite prohibitive for, you know, young, new investors.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly I feel like I'm in that boat. <laughs> yep. And I'm sure a lot of people listening would be too. Do you know of any like horror stories of when people withdrew their money at the wrong time?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, look, we had one client that panicked when the market crashed in February 20 and he asked for all of his stock related ETFs to be sold. And the thing was, unbelievably, within a couple of months, the market rebounded and it shot off again. He's bought back in, but. You know, he sold low and bought high, so... Oh, man. That was one uh, one person I couldn't convince the, to hang in there.
0: Like, how much money would he have lost out on?
1: Probably 80,000.
0: Yeah, okay. Yep. Hmm. I mean that's not necessarily as bad as like just selling your house at the wrong time, which is I saw we sold an apartment, my partner and I, at exactly the wrong time in the market recently,
1: <laughs> which mm. was
0: a joy to think back on now. Going oh, it'd be worth so much more, yeah. but also because the property market is so crazy now.
1: But look, it could yeah, it could easily go the other way. Yes, I mean,
0: exactly. You never know. I,
1: uh, I I certainly didn't predict the market correcting as quickly as it did. Yeah, we were we were set up. You know, for something to happen, we, obviously, we didn't see the COVID-19 hidden. No. The market was overheated, so we started reducing our exposure with the plan that if there was a crash, we'd buy back in. But uh, we weren't quick enough. The market recovered so quick, we got caught standing in, in a few cases.
0: Wow. You have a very tricky, and um, frankly, it sounds stressful. You don't seem stressed, um, but it sounds like a stressful line of work.
1: No, it's not because we're sensible, well, you know, we you don't you don't take risks. You know, we, we never. I have this philosophy: if I wouldn't invest in it, or if I wouldn't put my mum's money into it, why would I put my clients' money into it? You know, we have the what's called a a balanced portfolio. So it's a mixture of high risk or riskier things like stocks, but there's also what's called bond funds, fixed income, which are you know they sort of tick along; uh, they don't go up or down too much. So if you have that balance, when the market does go down, your portfolio isn't as damaged as, you know, if it was 100% shares, for example.
0: But do you ever have clients who say, here's 200 grand, I want you to put it in something risky? Yeah. How often does that work out? You really yeah, need it on it, paper. You said put it in something risky. Yeah, look, <laughs> like you've, got,
1: you've got to assess their situation. I mean, if all they had was 200 grand and nothing else, I'd probably be saying no, Yeah. Uh, not a good idea. Mm. But, you know, we've got clients that, you know, they're lucky. They've got many, million, million, millions of dollars, and you know, to them, it's play money. So, two hundred grand into something a bit specky. it's not going to hurt them. Basically,
0: it does feel like with a lot of tech startups, people just whack like ten grand in a hundred of them and see what works out. It feels like a strategy that. Yeah, well, up.
1: that's the space I've just started playing in the uh, the startup world. It's very different from, you know, the traditional investing that I'm used to, uh, and you're really betting on the founder and the idea and. You know, I've only started investing, but they say, you know, you've got to invest in at least 10 startups and one of them may come off. Oof. So it's super high risk, Yeah. Uh, potentially high payback. But again, I'd only do that if you can afford to lose it. The sad thing is the investment world, it's sort of become all razzmatazz and it's intentionally made scary, I think, by the media. Uh, you know, you watch certain shows and there's people there ranting and raving about stock prices going up. And then the next day they're saying it's going to go down. And But if you just strip it right back, it's pretty, pretty simple. If you're just sensible, you know, if you wanted to start out, I would just highly recommend buy a few ETFs and just keep adding to them.
0: Mm. Well, you've already invested in crypto and it's going very well right now. And in fact, we're going to go for a drink after this and you're buying. So <laughs> it's it's on you. I'm Mark Copsi from Allworth's Chartered Accountants. Thank you so much for joining me and helping me in my journey to becoming a full-blown adult.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thank you.
0: Oh, man, I kind of wish Mark was my dad, mostly so we could have invested in a sweet nest egg for me to fall back on. But I feel like I got some good takeaway ideas anyway. Like, mostly invest money you won't need to see for 40 years, and when you do, it'll be like gifting yourself a delightful surprise present. (gasps) A hidden bounty that's been quietly getting better over time. Like when you find a very old Smartie at the bottom of your handbag and it tastes even more delicious. Note to self, plant multiple Smarties in my bag to be excited by in the future.
1: Full-blown adult, yeah!
0: Coming up on the next episode of Full-Blown Adult, how do you deal with a crappy boss? The more evidence you have to support your version of events, the better. And a diary note of things that have happened at the time that they're happening is very powerful evidence. That's expert lawyer Carly Stebbing. Next week on Full Blown Adult.
1: Listener.